Good evening. Welcome to the University of Spiritual Warfare, where you must learn how to fight. You must learn warfare. Because if you don't, you'll be chewed up, you'll be spit out, merely doormat. You'll become a slave. Yes, you'll be saved, but you'll become a slave. The devil will kill you, and you will never fulfill your destiny that God has given to you. Today, April 21, 2022, I want to thank you for coming on board with us as we go through our university uh, teaching tonight. Biblical recalibration is needed. Biblical recalibration is needed. What's a recalibration? Readjustment. You know when you adjust something and you tighten it up and then all of a sudden it gets loose over time? It kind of gets wobbly. It needs to be readjusted, recalibrated. And this is what we have to do with our minds. We have to recalibrate ourselves, reset ourselves according to the Bible, to the Word of God and what God says in His Word. The, God, the Word of God never changes. We change. We slack off. Uh -huh. We get emotionally uh, distracted, diluted. But God's word never, ever, ever changes. God does not dilute his word. God's word never loses flavor. We go off course. We lose zeal, passion. We lose vigilance. We lose our strength, but not God's word. So this is the reason why we have to go back to the word and be constantly uh, declaring speaking that word, reminding ourselves about the power of the word. We are the ones that need to remember that God says, uh, we have to be strong and we have to be very courageous. Uh, the word of God is already strong and the word of God is already very courageous. We are the ones that need to be reminded that God says, I won't fail you. I won't abandon you. We're the ones that need to be reminded that God is here with us, even though you might be going through a situation for quite a long time, and you say, oh, God, oh, God, where are you? I'm in the same place where I've always been. I'm seated on the throne, and I'm still in control. The sun rises in the east and sets in the west. I am still in control, regardless of what it looks like. So we are seeing what the world is about, what's going on, and we are seeing certain things coming that we have never seen before. And we are in consternation, or should I say the world is in consternation, but God's people, we're cool. We know all these things are going to happen because these things have happened before. There is a precedent, biblical precedence. That's where we look. For example, we've been talking about slavery forced slavery, and that's ahead. And who is behind it? We are seeing that the forces of darkness, the satanic forces, are behind it. And where is your biblical precedence? Where do you go and you say this has happened before? We talked about Genesis 47, where Joseph in Egypt, there was a seven-year famine after seven years of plenty. So what did they do? They stored up the plenty, and the plenty was to take them through the famine. What are we seeing today? We are seeing a contrived war all across the nations of the world, and it's causing supply chain shortages, supply chain problems. And we are looking down the horizon and seeing the store shelves, which are normally full, are being emptied out, shortages of food, not enough fertilizers because there is war going on, and all manner of contrived things going to make food short. And when food becomes short, food will be used as a weapon, and people will be starving. People will come and say, for food, I will work for food. Or for food, I'll do anything. For food, I'll be a slave. I'll be a slave. People will sell their bodies for food. People will sell their lives for food. People will sell their children for food. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? Happened before in the Bible, and it's going to happen again. Buy us. We'll become your slaves. What? For a morsel of bread. And what is my teaching all about? My teaching is all about letting you know you don't have to get to that state. 
You don't have to worry about food and how you're going to be fed because the Lord's going to feed you. Even if he's got to use a, a raven, a dirty bird, to bring hamburgers to give you and put you to live by a river, he'll do it. He did it for Elijah. He'll do it for you. There's going to be a technological, technological slavery. You'll be chipped. You'll never run away. They'll know where you are at all times. This is what they're looking at. But we must understand that we're of the kingdom. We will not be taking their mark. So they will attempt to, but they will not be successful in doing that. Technology will aid and abet slavery because the rich that rules over the poor, the elites, will make sure that they keep their slaves the most valuable assets because they, did, they, they have determined that they want labor. That's what slavery is all about. Slavery is all about labor. If they could have the labor and not have the slaves, they'd do it. And that's the reason why they're going about robots. They're going to go into robotic things, robotic machinery, eliminate people. That's what they want to do, eliminate the masses of people. And the elites want to live in a world with only them, themselves and everybody else. Slaves are subservient to them. And all the people who will be living on the earth will be a slave to Satan. Those people, that is. But then you'll have the kingdom. We're going to talk about the kingdom people and make, them, make sure that we understand that there's a difference between the kingdom people and the kingdom people who had the master called Jesus Christ will be serving him, and he'll be taking care of us supernaturally. There's a Bible history, and there's a world history. And as I said, but history repeats itself. What God has done in the Bible, he can and he will do again. He must do it again if he has done it in the past, because the Bible says he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let's go back in history and look at the wickedest period of time there was. Genesis 6, book of beginnings, and let's look at verse 5. Genesis 6 and verse 5, wicked period of time. God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. Every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. The earth was filled with violence. That's how wicked and how evil everything was. Listen to the word again carefully. God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth. Every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. These were men, people, mankind. But they were not men of the, of the kingdom. There was only one man who was of the kingdom at that time. His name was Noah, his wife and his three sons and their, their wives. Eight people. They were kingdom people. They were spared. I'm not going to go into that, but the Bible says the earth was filled with violence. And as violent as the earth was, Noah, his wife, his three sons and their wives, violence didn't touch him. I want to bring that to your attention. The Bible says the earth was filled up with violence at that time. Noah, his three sons, and all their wives, eight people, the violence did not touch them. Did you get that? All right, let's fast forward a little bit and see what happened. Second Kings 23 and verse 10. You can write these scriptures down or you can go there with me. And it says, that mankind defiled a place called Tophet, which is in the valley of the children of Hinnom. It called Hinnom was a valley called the Valley of Slaughter. That no man might make his son or his daughter to pass through the fire to Molech. So what did they do in the Valley of Hinnom, the Valley of Slaughter? They made their children, their sons or their daughters, to pass through the fire to Molech. What does that mean? Well, Molech was a demon god. Molech was symbolized as an old. Molech was uh, Satan himself. And what would they do? They'd bring their little babies, their little sons and their little daughters. It was as if they plumped them up 
nice little six months a year, and what do they do? They take them and put them in a raging fire and burn their babies to Satan. There are times when they would take their children, and this sounds gruesome, it will make you sick, but this is what they did. They take their little children, their little daughters, or each other's children, and they would cut their little hearts out, and they would eat the hearts and drink the blood. They would eat different parts of the babies, kill the babies, slaughter the babies, drink the blood, all to Molech. Why? Because Molech would tell them, if you do this and bring me that human sacrifice, I will give you good crops. I will make the rainfall and make your corn grow. I'll make your cows, calf, your sheep uh, reproduce. I will make everything well for you. They never understood that Molech had no power in doing any such thing, that the big boss who controls this spigot is the Lord God Almighty. So being deceived that those people in the biblical days, that even the people of God, they have made their children pass through the fire. They burned their children as human blood sacrifices to Molech. They followed the custom of that day, of the people around them. Fast forward to today. All those traditions have come down to today. The generational curse and the generational transfer has been made. We look at certain very wealthy families, and they are dynastic. There's the families that come from the 1500, they go way back. They go back to way, way back. They have roots, so you can trace people back through their DNA and go back to their roots. And we, if you trace them back, you'll find out that many of these families through their religions and where they come from. They come from these set of people. Jesus referred to them as serpents and vipers, deadly vipers. And they are here today. You fast forward. They are doing the same thing, burning their children to Moloch. They are killing little babies, eating the flesh, and drinking the blood. You better wake up. You better smell the coffee and understand that these things are done. They are engaged in what is called dark blood money rituals. Why? You're not after having corn grow. You're not after having sheep and oxen reproduce. We're, they are not agrarian. We're living in a, in a financial uh, 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 situation, a financial world today. That's the right word. You're not living in an agrarian world. So these people are now business people. And they're at the top of their game. They're top of industry. They're billionaires and multimillionaires. How do they get that money? They've done the same thing as they did in Second Kings 23 and verse 10. Again, they've made little children. Whether they have to grab a child off the street, where they have to have pay somebody to have a child, their, their children are being bred exclusively for this purpose. Whatever way you look at it, they are doing dark money rituals with the shedding of children's blood and the drinking of their blood and drink eating of their flesh. These things are going on today. While the church is just going la di da 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 as if nothing has happened. You see, the church is not aware. But everything here is, is here in the Bible. The church is not aware of these things that happen. We're too sanitized. We're too clean-minded. We don't think dirty. The church does not think strategy of, this, of the satanic order, the satanic type. Now, you might ask me the question, are we supposed to think that way, Bishop? But of course you're supposed to, t to think that way. The Bible tells us that. The Bible told us we are, we are supposed to be as wise as serpents. We are supposed to have satanic wisdom. We are supposed to know what the devil do, does or what the devil is going to do. Wise as serpents. In the same manner as the, the devil or the demons uh, drive these rich people away, we are supposed to know what they're going to do. We are supposed to have their wisdom. We're not supposed to do what they do, however. 
we must be as harmless as doves. That is the word. Now let me ask you the question. Are you wise as a serpent? <clears throat> do you know, or do you acquire serpentine wisdom? You know what the demons do? I bet you never realize that people are drinking blood and eating babies' flesh, just as they did in the Valley of Hinnom, where they made their children pass through the fire. Some people never even knew. They read that in the Bible and made their children pass through the fire. They didn't know what that meant. Well, they're doing that today. The church must be as wise as a serpent, yet harmless as a dove. God stipulates his position when it comes to these things. Romans chapter 1, God is very angry at such things. We're going to look at the anger of God. Romans chapter 1 and verse 18. But God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. They know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. Forever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. Meaning, all those who practice such things, sacrifice of children, demonic sacrifices, and if they don't pra uh, sacrifice children, they'll sacrifice animals to God. Anyone you see or hear of sacrificing pigs, cows, goats, donkeys, sheep, they're involved in Satanism. Jesus does not take a blood sacrifice. Jesus does not, does not want a chicken sacrificed to him. He does not want a sheep, a goat, a cow sacrificed to him. So anyone... Let me say that one more time. Anyone, regardless of what your religion is, you can tell me and show me in the Bible of the Old, Old Testament, say, oh yes, Solomon and Moses, and everyone sacrificed animals to the Lord God. Yes, they did. However, that God said that was under the Old Covenant. The Old Covenant has been shattered. We are operating under a better covenant called the New Covenant. So don't bring me back under the old slavery. Jesus does not receive any type of blood sacrifice. His blood was shed once and for all and laid upon the mercy seat. No blood, animal or human blood, is needed to come before the living God. Animal, bird, or human blood, any kind of blood, not necessary. The blood of Jesus has completed the transaction. We are operating in the new covenant. If you're not under the new covenant, you're under Satan's jurisdiction. It doesn't matter who you are. You're under the jurisdiction of who? The devil himself. Verse 21, Romans 1, it says, Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. So they knew him, but they would not acknowledge him. They would not thank him. They would not reverence him. They wanted nothing to do with him. But they knew him. And this is the reason why the Bible says, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. What does that mean? It means they know God, but they won't worship him as God. They won't give him thanks as God. That's what that means. And they began to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. Oh, God must be like this. God must be like that. The devil confused their mind. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Now you know where it comes from. Now you know why and where the sacrifice of children comes from. Now you know why all those wicked things come from. Because you see, they would not. They thought of foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. So they began sacrificing their little children, their precious little boys and girls, eating their flesh, drinking their blood. And Satan spoke to them and said, if you do that, I'll make you wealthy. And they did. And they became super wealthy. Satanic wealth. 
black money rituals. That's where most of these billionaire wealth come from. Got to be careful about that. Looking at someone in the movie stars, someone who is very wealthy, and say, I want to be like that. You don't know who their gods are. And then they talk about claiming to be wise. Remember the old Molech? Mm-hmm. Wise as an owl. Have you ever heard that saying? He's as wise as an owl. Wise as who? Molech. Baal, the devil. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious ever-living God, they worship idols made to look like mere people, birds, animals, and reptiles. God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and degrading things with each other's bodies. They traded the truth about God for a lie. So they worshipped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself who is worthy of eternal praise. Now listen carefully. These people went off into all manner of demonic worship. Licentious, lascivious worship. They would go in a temple and they would say they are going to worship and what would they do? They would indulge themselves in an orgy. Men with men, women with women, men and women, and they would go off into the worst kind of what they call worship you could imagine. And that was what they offered to their God. Their minds became darkened. Their minds became evil. And this is what they did. They did every evil and wicked thing. The Bible recalls that even in the temple that they designed to their gods, even people with animals would be having sexual relations. You've got to understand that these people were totally, totally lost. They were totally confused, totally into what the devil told them to do. Verse 26, this is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the woman turned against the natural way to have sex and instead indulged in sex with each other. And the men, instead of having normal sexual relations with women, they burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men, and as a result of the sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. Are you seeing where all this evil comes from? Hmm? Men will not acknowledge God. They will not allow God to be God in their lives. No way. We don't want him. Since they thought it foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their foolish thinking and let them do things that should never be done. Their lives became full, F-U-L-L, -L, to the brim, of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, full of murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, gossip. They are backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning, and they disappear their parents. They refuse to understand. Break their promises. They're heartless. They have no mercy. They know God's justice requires that these, those who do these things deserve to die, yet they do them anyway. Worse yet, they encourage others to do them also. Are you seeing the nature of wickedness? I want you to know and understand today, tonight, that's the reason why the church, the people of God, needs a recalibration in your thinking. Because you see, the world around us is contaminating. We are outnumbered in the world. We are outnumbered at least 90 to 1. For every 90 heathen, every 90 satanic people, one Christian. Do you understand that? Well, how do you know that, Bishop, and why do you say that? Well, Jesus cleansed the 10 lepers who were just normal people, but only one came back to say thank you. Jesus asked them, where were the other nine? One out of 10. 
Jesus looked at 10 normal people, 10 as a sample, cleanse all of them. One came back to voluntarily look for him and say, Lord, I thank you for what you have done. One out of 10. That's where I got that from. Understand carefully that most of the world will never serve the Lord. Things might get rough, and many people might turn to the Lord and say, Oh, God, and cry some crocodile tears. Things get rough, but they'll do so only for a time. Then they'll go back to their old ways like a dog returning to his vomit or a pig returning to the mud. Please don't ask me. Uh, or, or criticize me when I say these things. I remember Hurricane Andrew a couple of years ago, 1996. Churches were packed right after the hurricane. And the churches were packed for about four months, six months, maybe a year. If I'd best. Then after a year, all the people had drifted in. What did they do? Drift back out. Huh? They were just scared. And they drifted in, and they drifted back out. Why? Because, you see, they didn't mean it. The devil came, and they stole the word out of their hearts. They were like uh, uh, precious wheat sown among thorns, and the thorns choked the wheat, and they couldn't maintain. It was not sown in good gra ground, good soil. And this is what the world is all about, and this is what the world does to people. But to those who would have the word of God sown in good soil, there must be a recalibration. Those who would try their very best to hold on to the little word that they have, you need a recalibration. We need weeding. We need to get the weeds out and to get some breathing room about, uh, around the wheat, about the wheat. Get the wheat, the word, wheat of the word of the God in your heart. We need to get some what? Get some breathing room around it. Get the earth stirred up around it. Get the weeds plucked out. And that's where Bible Code 7 comes in. Bible Code 7 offers solutions. We don't dwell on problems. We never harp about the problems that's going, oh, look at what the devil is doing. And this is what I hear with many preachers today and many people teaching the Word of God. They harp and they talk about what the devil is doing and oh my god it's so bad out there well listen carefully jesus told us arise and shine your light has come and the glory of the lord has arisen upon you he told us the earth is going to be covered with darkness and gross darkness is going to cover the people what else do you think was going to happen after what jesus said it must come to pass. Well, you need a recalibration in your thinking. Because if he said it's going to happen, it's going to happen. And if he said it's going to happen, this is where you need to sharpen yourself and brighten your lamp. Shine brighter. Make sure that you're saltier. Make sure that you rise to the occasion. Recalibrate yourself. If you got dull, sharpen yourself. Bible Code 7 will sharpen you. If you believe that the Bible is the sword of the Spirit, the Word of God is the weapon that we fight with, then by God, why are you not using it? Are you using the Word of God as a weapon? Don't harp on the problems. Don't harp on, oh my God, I can't f figure out why are people so evil, why people are so bad, why they're so wicked, why do they do these things? Well, that's what the Bible tells us they did in the past. They're just doing a continuation of what the Bible uh, tells us they did long ago. Don't look at what the devil is doing. Look at Jesus and say you can do better. Don't look and be fearful and say, oh, my God, what am I going to do? No, no, no. Do what Jesus did. Go back in the book of beginnings. Go back in the book of precedence and see where the Lord overcame. There is solution, and he has answers. We don't look at what the devil is. Uh, some people, you know, oh, my God, the devil is so strong. Really? 
Anytime you say the devil is strong, I hope the devil jump all over you and beat you up, giving glory to the devil. Oh, the devil is so strong. May he be strong in your life. Manpower you, manhandle you. Oh, I shouldn't say that. But you did. You said he was strong. And if you said he was strong, then he's going to be strong to strangle you because you gave him a, that authority over your life. Stop talking about the devil and what the devil can do and how he is and how strong he is and all that stuff because you give him power when you do so. Look at Jesus and begin to have Jesus have Jesus overshadow you. Put a blanket of his, of, his, of his anointing all over you. Be a shield all about you and the one who lifts up your head. You keep talking about Satan, how strong he is, he'll strangle you. You keep, as uh, they say, big up the devil, he'll big you up with some problems. He'll chew you up and spit you out. He'll make you a doormat. Code 7 tells you, listen, you don't do that. You grab the word of God. The word never gets tired. And you begin to declare the word and the devil must lose you. Why? Because when you declare the word, you're raining fire down on the devil. The word of God is fire. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? The word of God is a hammer. You hammer him with fire. And this is what the Code 7 solution is. We don't harp, harp on problems. We never harp on problems. Never look at what they're... I look at those big guys and what they're doing today, the billionaires. I look at Klaus Schwab and how he says, oh, by 2030, everybody's going to be a slave. You'll have nothing, but you'll be happy. Speak for yourself, buddy. Don't you ever speak, speak for me. I got a boss already. I'm a slave to that boss. And that boss didn't tell me so in his word. So anyhow you come and you want to tell me something, those words will never find root in my brain. You can go kill, your, kill the children and drink their blood and eat their flesh. I know that's what you do. Get all that power you have and all that money you have. That's why you talk all that trash. You're trash talking. But I talk word. I talk the word of God. When I talk the word of God, I talk Jesus. I talk him going before me, making ways where there seems to be no way. I talk him taking on the battle for me because the battle belongs to him and not me. You've got to understand, this is how you need to talk. They never saw the Bible. Many people don't ever see the Bible as God's words or as God's directives to mankind. So they don't know any better. They only know what the devil tells them to do. But there is an answer. There is an alternative. It's called the Word of God, the Bible. And we utilize it as a weapon of warfare. So if God's Word, the Bible says, is a weapon, then for God's sakes, use it. Use it. Weapons of our warfare are not carnal weapons, but mighty weapons through God to pull down any and every what? Fortress, stronghold, use it. And this is what we want to talk about tonight. Utilizing the sword of the Spirit, bringing fire, burning sulfur down upon the adversary. Because that's the only way you can fight. You can't see him, but guess what? <laughs> the word of God will find him out. Wherever he is, he can't hide. Can't hide from God's word. In the first book I wrote, The Hundredfold, page 41. How do you see your Bible? How do you see our Bible? We have the greatest weapon on planet Earth, but unfortunately most people never use it. Let us take a new look with fresh eyes at the Bible. The Bible is God's everlasting word to all humanity. God's divinity touches all humanity through his word. The Bible is the final and absolute authority over all men, spiritual beings, and the universe. It is the solution to all life's problems and the answer to all life's questions. The Bible must be seen with mighty, powerful angels standing by, ready to act upon the word of God. The Bible must be seen as a weapon of warfare, which God declared it is 
and it declared it to be. Second Corinthians 10, verses 3 and 4. The Bible must therefore be weaponized and used as an instrument of spiritual warfare. The Bible must be seen as all believers' defense and weapon to fight all their Goliaths, every Goliath. The Bible must be seen as the poor man's empowerment by God that makes him able to fight the rich and mighty and come out victorious. Do you know you can fight City Hall and win? Do you know you can fight the billionaires and win? When you fight the billionaires with the word of God, the billionaires can't touch you. They can't touch you. Why? Because angels will be standing over there watching over you and keeping you. You'll be wrapped, cloaked, and fired. The word of the living God. The word of God must be weaponized as a mighty weapon. Cut down oppressions, injustices, wickedness. The word of God has power over individuals as well as groups of people. According to the Bible, we are judges. Yes, we are judges and can speak the words of judgment found in our Bible to effect changes for the Lord. In days past, people through ignorance would wear garlic around their neck. They would use different odors on their bodies or carry charms to ward off evil entities. Today, the message must go out and go forth for the believers. The word of God does it all. The word of God repels and expels all evil and is guaranteed to bring about the victory sought by all who use it. The word of God is like uh, a mosquito repellent. You're going in a mosquito-infested forest on a certain time in the summer when the mosquitoes are at their highest. What do you do? You spray repellent on yourself or on your clothing. And when you go out there, not one mosquito comes near you. Why? Because they smell the repellent. So they leave you alone. They know that you are charged with a repellent. Leave me alone. Why? As they come near you, they smell that stuff. And so it is with the word of God. What are you doing? You're putting on layers of protection around you. You hear what I'm telling you? The word of God repels and expels all evil. It's guaranteed to bring about the what? The victory sought by all who use it. The word of God will bring you victory. That's what your Bible does. How, how in bed are you with your Bible? How in love are you with your Bible? That's the essence of Code 7 warfare. We get you to fall in love with your Bible. We get you to fall in love with the Word of God. We get you in love to use that Word. Because you see, people don't know what to do. People need someone to give them an answer, give them a solution. Because the devil is doing everything to darken the mind of people. Keep you away from the solution. Keep you away from the answer. The devil have you go in there and buying mosquito repellent to spray on you, lotion, potion, all kind of stuff to put on you to keep off evil spirits or even to attract the, uh, what they call good spirits. I go, in, I go in a store sometimes and I see money drawing stuff. Hmm? In the supermarket. If you use this, it will draw money to you, meaning it will draw money demons to you. That's right. So in other words, people believe, well, I want some money, so I'm going to use it. It will draw money to me, draw the demons of good luck or good fortune to me. They don't understand that you go on the devil's turf when you do all that. You need your Bible. You need Jesus. The devil doesn't give you stuff. The devil plays for keeps. The devil wants to enslave you. Jesus wants to set you free. Jesus wants you blessed. There's a man in the Bible we talk about, we talk about him. He was a very powerful man. He was the most powerful witch doctor. He was the most powerful soothsayer. The Bible says, any man this man blesses, he was blessed. And any man this man cursed, was cursed. 
That was his track record. He never missed. The single most powerful man in the Bible, evilly, in the Old Testament, that is. That man was who? Balaam. Balaam. When he confronted God's people and the people began to release the word of God and he came in contact with God, Balaam said in Numbers 23, 19 and 20, he said, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. And he said, and shall he not do it? In other words, if God speaks, shall he not back it up with his action? This is what Balaam said. Or has he spoken, and shall not he make it good? This is what the witch doctor, the greatest witch doctor in the Old Testament, his name is Balaam. Balaam ran up against the Lord, Jesus. And when Balaam tried to curse God's people, God dealt with Balaam. Balaam couldn't do what he wanted to do. Why? Because God told him, he says, whom I bless, you cannot curse. You've got to understand, people of God, we hold the handle, the demons hold the blade. You pull the handle, you slice your hands off. We have the word. But you see, we don't wield the word. We don't pull and push the word like you chop with a sword. That's what we don't do, and that's what we need to do. We need urgently to use the word. Code 7 warfare is about word warfare. Jesus told Joshua, Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, he said, Joshua, the words, the book of the law, the words of this book must not leave out of your mouth. You must meditate on this word day and night, night and day. And it should not leave your mouth. You must be declaring, reciting this word constantly. Then when you do so, you'll make your way prosperous. And then you will have good success. There's no magic formula. There's no wand to wave. You've got to understand that the word of God, the Bible, must be weaponized. Get out of your rut that you're in. Get out of that grave you're in. Get out of your unbelief. Now, I've seen some Christians, they're pitiful. They're full of pity. Oh, if you could just come down here and have a pity party with me. Just wallow in misery with me. Make me feel good in my misery. No, I'm not here to come hold your hand in misery. I don't do that stuff. I'm a warrior, and I train you with warfare. I'll come shoulder to shoulder, but I'm not going to wallow in picture with you. Uh-uh. Tell you, all you're doing is making yourself and keeping yourself as a doormat for Satan, a dartboard for Satan, a punching bag for Satan. I'm not going to be the devil's punching bag. I want to transform your life into something else. I want you not to look like, feel like, be like a punching bag or a doormat for the devil. I want you to be beating up on the devil. Every day, multiple times a day, with the word of the living God, boom, 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 boom. With the word, reciting his word. Code 7 warfare. Some of the Christians are so sick. You're going through all manner of distress, but you can't teach them anything. can't tell them anything. They are ingrained. They love pity. They love to be pitied. Wallow in pity. You tell them the answer, no, no, no. It's like you're talking to a log. Because they love people come alongside and pity them. Well, I'm not in the pity business. I'll pray for you and I'll teach you. I'll lead you to water, but you've got to drink the water yourself. I'll wipe your nose for you, but by God, you've got to blow your own nose. I'm not in the nose-blowing business, okay? If I sound a little rough tonight, it's time for you to get up and understand this is where we are. There's a crisis going on. There's an urgency. You need to understand that the matter is urgent. 
you need to understand you need to get up and war. And if you don't want to war for yourself, war for your children and war for your grandchildren. Listen to what Balaam goes on to say, Numbers 23, 20. It says, look, I have received commandment to bless, and he had blessed, and I cannot reverse it. God had blessed them. I, a man, Balaam, the witch doctor, the man with a track record, I cannot reverse what God has done. Right. What is Balaam saying? I have received commandment to bless. Let's look at the word. Numbers 23, 20. Look, I have received a commandment to bless. What does that mean? It means that God told him with what? Words. God spoke his words to Balaam. Don't curse my people. Why? Because I have blessed them. <clears throat> and Balaam said, I cannot reverse it. What is Balaam saying? I cannot reverse the word of God. That's what he's saying. Plain and simple. God gave his word. And I, the greatest witch doctor, the greatest soothsayer, cannot reverse the word of God. Balaam was acting under the jurisdiction of Satan. Satan is a fallen angel. He has no voice. He cannot speak. So here is Balaam speaking on the devil's behalf. And, and Balaam said, or Satan said, true Balaam, I, 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 I cannot override God. I cannot overrule God. I cannot overcome the word of the living God. I have no power to overcome God's word. That's what Satan was saying through Balaam. Do you get that? Because Balaam was commanded. Balaam was given the word by God. Don't curse my people. And the devil spoke through Balaam and said, I can't, I can't touch this one. This is too big for me. Well, let me tell you something. The devil is still speaking today. He's speaking through the billionaires. He's speaking through the millionaires. He's speaking through the political leaders, the president, the prime ministers, all those big shot guys. They're they are bluffing. They're shouting like Goliath. Hear me now. God is word, God's word has already been issued. God's word has already been declared. By the way, there will never be another Bible. All right? You have the Bible. I prefer the King James Bible, but you have the Bible. Pick up that Bible. Begin to speak. Declare the word. I can't help you. I don't carry anything else with me. I don't have nothing you can rub on your body. I don't have nothing you can put on yourself. I don't have a design with a, a, a thing or, a, 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 or anything of such nature that you can carry on your body to make you super. No. What makes you super is what? The word. Pick up your Bible. And when you look at it, look at it through fresh eyes. Recalibrated thinking. The Bible is for today, now more than ever before. The Bible is light in a world of darkness. Whom God bless is blessed because he said so. God cannot lie. God will bless us and has blessed us in so many ways. But understand carefully that those blessings may be stolen or stumbling blocks placed in your way so you do not receive your God-given blessings. Do you understand that? That's what the devil does. The reason for this book is to teach how to get back what the devil has stolen or blocked from you or to gain or win all the promised blessings that God has in store for you. He promised, but you need a strategy to bring it into manifestation. Bible Code 7 is that strategy. Mm. God called you. I have the nerve to call you a mighty man of valor or a man, mighty woman of valor. Hmm? The devil cannot reverse or turn back the everlasting word of Almighty God. That's your Bible. But please don't, don't tell me otherwise. That's my Bible. 
Don't, don't, don't come with me. Don't come and tell me anything else. Because you see, I didn't bring a blood sacrifice. I don't bring something and tell you in secret that if you meet us at, uh, in the jungle or in some dark place or somewhere and bring a little child with you, we're going to sacrifice a child or a baby, and we're going to drink the baby's blood and eat the baby's flesh, and the devil will make you wealthy. Don't bring me that stuff. And that's where the billionaires and the millionaires and many people are coming from today. You go to a doctor, you go to a place, a business, a place of, uh, in many places, you don't know who you're dealing with. So you better be cloaked, you better be armed and dangerous. You better have the word of God in your mouth. You better be cloaked in that word. God's word can never be reversed. What does that mean? It means every promise is guaranteed. Everything that word God says is a guaranteed word. Heaven and earth will pass, but his words shall never pass away. And anything God promises, he says, I'm able to back up my promises. God wants you to have his hundredfold blessing. That's what his word tells us. You just, you know, the devil says you can have this much and no more. God says, no, I want you to have everything. We go by what the word says. Look at 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16. 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16, it says, all scripture, not some scripture, all scripture is given by the in-breathing, the inspiration of God. It is profitable for doctrine. know what doctrine is? Principles. God's principles. He cannot lie. You can hold him to his word. It is profitable for reproof, correction, or rebuke. Correct somebody for correction. And to instruct or teach in righteousness. Holy living. That's the word of God. There will never be another Bible. Don't buy what things, uh, people, uh, things that people tell you. Not because you're a billionaire you can come and tell me all that kind of rubbish. No. Tell me the word of God. My God's word overrules everything. God's word overruled Balaam, the greatest witch doctor, soothsayer in the entire world. Do you hear that? The man who blessed and they were blessed. The man who cursed and you were cursed. Anything Balaam said. That was it. Here, Balaam, under the inspiration of the devil, said, I receive the word of God to bless. I cannot curse them. The devil says, I cannot override the word of the living God. You get that? I hope you get that. The last word, the first word, and the final word is the word of the living God. Why is it so important to know and listen? Because that word is Jesus. Absolute, total, final. He is the word that was made flesh. In the beginning, he was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. Nothing was made on the face of the earth without him. So the word cannot fail. That's why he said, I will not fail you. I will not forsake you. I will not abandon you. He cannot fail you. Don't you worry, run around scared. Don't let the devil, oh, Lord have mercy, help me. I'm not going to rip into you tonight. But if you're afraid of anything tonight, please don't be afraid. Let me encourage you tonight. Don't be afraid. I don't care what it is. You're here scratching on your roof, knocking on your roof at night. You're the only one in the house. Don't be afraid. You hear the door closing, and you're the only one in the house. Don't be afraid. Tell the devil, devil, you're a liar. Get out of here. I need a good night's sleep. Get out of here. Don't come back. Want to tell somebody here tonight, don't let be intimidated by the devil. The scripture, the scripture, the scripture, the word, the weapon, the sword of the spirit, the word, the word, the word, that's your weapon. 
But if you're not wielding it, if you're not declaring the word, what are you doing? You're begging for a whooping. I hate to tell you that, but that's what you're doing. You're not declaring. You're begging for a whooping. Let me say it another way. You're begging for a behinding. That's what my granny used to tell me. You're begging for a behind whipping. Hmm? Because you're not using the word. Don't beg the devil to whoop you. Use the word and whoop him. Don't wait for the devil to start beating on you, then you start so you... No. Be on the offensive. As we get started, let's come to the understanding that only our Bible alone gives us the terms and the conditions of our authority and power. That the mind and plan of God is revealed in the Holy Bible. The Bible is more than sufficient to explain all that God wants mankind to know about him. Everything in this world and the world to come. Your Bible is sufficient. I have studied this Bible. This brain of mine cannot contain it. Most people don't know about me, but I enjoy reading. I can, I can devour information. I read voraciously every single day. I read in depth. And I read with great understanding. And when I read stuff, I write things down. I do the daily briefing. I was asking God every day uh, before I started. I said, God, where am I going to get all that stuff to write every day and talk about for a half hour? I mean, I was not on that level. And God said, don't worry about it. So every day I started, and he has never failed me. He sat me down, and he gave me some time in the morning, early morning or at night, Sit down and get your pen on your bedside table and begin to write. You're going to talk about this today. Now, the minute I start to read, I start to get clarity. Oh, my God, look at this. I correlate what's going on across the world with what the Bible says. It's like him leading me and giving me not just enough, more than enough. Put yourself in my position for one moment. Every single day, I'm writing books. I have to teach tonight or an hour. Need stuff to teach on. I have to prepare every day, half hour of stuff in the daily briefing. Know what you're talking about. Research it. Get the scripture. Get everything and know what you're talk, talking about. So one thing flows and follows into the other. It's a message from God. Writing books and doing all that stuff. Where do you get all that stuff from? You've got to be connected with God and be fed into by the Lord. So the more I obey him is the more he is giving. And may I say something about God. He can talk. He is a good talker. If you're a good listener, he's a good talker. He enjoys talking. He enjoyed talking with Adam in the garden. He has enjoyed talking with you too. If you love to talk, or if you love to listen, he's a good talker. Get a notebook. Get a pen. Begin and say, God, speak to me. Tell me. And you'll begin to write stuff down. Put it in a book. A couple months later, you begin to go over all that stuff. Maybe you have all some material for maybe a whole chapter or two chapters in a book for yourself. Why? Because God speaks. I want to let you know something tonight. I'm about to close. When God swears the promises of God, what does he do? God swears by himself because he can find no one greater than, than himself to swear by. That's what he told Daddy Abraham. The Bible says when God could find no one greater than himself. He swore by himself. He said, Daddy Abraham, I'm going to bless you. I swear by myself. Because you see, the lesser swears by the greater. That's what God does. Or should I say that's what we do? But what God did was God could find no one greater than himself. There's no one as great. 
There's no one remotely close to him in comparison to greatness. No one. None. So he could find no one as great as he. So he says, I'm going to swear by myself. And when he speaks or when he swears by himself, anything he says is guaranteed to happen. That's why God talks about his word. So when God swears, you know what he did? He declared seven times whatsoever he swears. He sevens himself. So every promise that he made, for example, he promised Daddy Abraham, I'm going to bless you. I'm going to give you a son. What did he do? He said it, he declared it seven times. That's how God swears it. He speaks sevenfold. And when he speaks sevenfold, it must come to pass. That's what Code 7 Warfare is all about. So when we do something, we do it just like God did it. And we use the Word of God. We have got to understand Psalm 110, verse 4, The Lord hath sworn, and he will not repent. And he told Jesus, you are a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. He swore. He sevened himself. He will not change his mind. He will not turn back on it. Why? His word is everlasting. In other words, you can trust God. I urge you tonight, I beg of you. I'm in the begging business tonight. You know why I'm in the begging business? Because Paul the Apostle was in the begging business also. Paul the Apostle says, Romans 12 and verse 1, he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, I beg of you, therefore, my brethren. I beg you, I earnestly beg you. I put myself on bended knees and I beg you. What are you begging, Paul? That you present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord. That's only a reasonable service. I beg you, I beg you. Present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to the Lord. You see, the rich guys, the billionaires, they present babies. And they chop them in little pieces. They eat the heart. They drink the blood. And they sacrifice the babies to Molech. They make their children pass through the fire. They burn it as a sacrifice to Molech. Did you hear what I'm telling you? They're still doing it today. That's why they have so much money. The devil gives them money. It's what you call a dark money ritual. Black money magic. But I beg of you that you present your bodies as a living sacrifice. What do you do? How do you do that? You fast. Number one. And number two, you declare the word of the living God. You do what? You fast. You declare the word of the living God. Present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord. That's just reasonable service. And Paul the Apostle says, I beg you, I beseech you, I beg of you on bended knees that you do that. Norman is begging you tonight. Code the word. Use the word as your weapon. Because the Bible says it is a weapon. The weapon of our warfare, not carnal, but mighty true God to pull down every fortress, every stronghold. The Bible also talks about the sword of the Spirit. Put the helmet of salvation on it. Then what? The sword of the Spirit. Wield it. Recite the word of God. Let it not depart from you. Let it not leave your mouth. Let it not, let it not um, be hidden in your mouth. But let it depart from your mouth. Let it, let, let, let it constantly flow from your mouth. Let the word of God flow through your mouth. Don't let it stop and cease from your mouth. But let the word of God constantly flow out of your mouth. Recite the word constantly. And when you do so, that word will become manifest in your life. So between the promises of God, what he promised you, and receiving the blessing, the strategy comes in between, and that is Code 7 Warfare. I urge you, for you to get fuller clarification, you need a book. You need a full understanding, a full explanation of how it works. And when you do so, 
when you begin to code and utilize the, the, the strategy of Code 7 Warfare, you'll do so with full understanding. And when you do something with a full understanding, my God, you'll be in the light, not in the twilight. You'll be in the full light because you have full understanding of why it works. Go to BibleCode7.com. I urge you get the books, get your friends, get family members, children, get them the book, utilize the strategy, and let's get what God has destined for us. Let's get the victory. Let's get out from under. And let's get into the victory zone. In Jesus' name. May the Lord bless you tonight. May the Lord keep you. May he make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord God lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace. But now until he returns, have yourself a fabulous and victorious night.